0: Hey, great you're listening. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in sustainable development, leadership and happiness. I'm Micah van der Velde and for the majority of my career, I've been working in an action-driven environment where people strive for equal rights, sustainable development for people and planet. In this podcast series, I will explore examples of leadership that led to sustainable change. And it doesn't matter if you're working in a commercial enterprise, government or non-profit, What actually matters in this podcast is the drive of people to change something for the environment or the people they care about. Enjoy listening and let me know what you think. For today, another episode of the Changemaker uh, podcast, and I'm very happy to welcome my guests. My guest today is Ayan Besoise. He is uh, one of my former colleagues from ACFO but I need to introduce him properly. Um, Ayan is a seasoned manager and a leader, I would say. Uh, At the moment, he's a regional hub manager in East Africa for ACFO, but you hold a degree in water quality management. And over the time she developed an impressive track record, I would say, um, not only in water quality, but also in the broader wash sector, agriculture, data, and PML. Um, but the, over the last years, it was more focused on more diving into the managerial work and leading a team uh, and uh, organizational development. Um, and I think you have done that in an excellent way for the team, but also for the organization. Uh, and we would love to learn more about that journey. Um, as I said, you have been one of my uh, former colleagues and it was always a pleasure working with you. So I'm very happy I to welcome you to this podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Micah. Um, I'm glad to be here.
0: Great, great. Uh, today, you are in Nairobi. I'm in the Netherlands, so we're connecting online. A beautiful conversation starts about leadership, about his leadership, Ayan's leadership. I asked Ayan where he made a really significant difference, if he could share an example with us and explain what he did and why it was successful. This is Ayan's reply.
1: Firstly, I'm really grateful and happy to be here. Um, Yeah, the leadership journey has been a bit of a topsy-turvy, right? I started out in South Asia for that And then I sort of came to East Africa. The reason I say it's been topsy-turvy because my performance in South Asia was not spectacular by any stretch of imagination. Um, I was quite an okay leader. When I came to East Africa, what changed was, I think um, I got more responsibilities. Um, There were some issues within the team. I was asked to help the team steer through these difficult uh, situations where they're in. Um, Yeah, I think uh, the circumstances, the situation sort of forced the best out of me. In terms of what I achieved, uh, i would say i was help, able to help the team achieve uh, nearly double the profit margins that we had uh, profit uh, targets rather that we had set out for ourselves at the beginning of uh, last year uh, and more importantly the outcome was achieved because there was a happy team uh, mm. a happy pack of people that sort of rallied around each other so it's a it's a mix of tangibles and intangibles so happiness is hard to sort of measure it's you can feel it you can sense it almost but uh, yeah the energy was palpable but it's hard to sort of define it mm. but the results at least the monetary results were there to show so if that counts as an example where it, the leadership made a difference
0: yeah you you mentioned that the um after your move your transition to east africa Kind of the circumstances were right or, or ideal for you to to dive into that more leadership and managerial position can you explain a little bit more what what kind of circumstances are you talking about
1: yeah and i'd also sort of link back to when i said i was not a i was an okayish leader earlier i think i was in a comfort situation in south asia mm. um I had somebody else sharing the mantle of leadership. I had a settled team pretty much. We were doing relatively well.
0: When I went to East Africa, he actually went through a big transition, but also the team he met was also in a big transition. And actually those two development mixed nicely together. Ian explains. When
1: I moved to East Africa, um, ACFA was looking for a new regional hub manager and I was supposed to be uh, a makeshift arrangement helping the teams through the transition. Um, East Africa was a completely new catchment for me. I had no clue. This was my first time in Africa. So I was really out of my comfort zone. Um, Two, what also happened is my father passed away when I moved, about a month after I moved into East Africa. So it was a major emotional void that I was going through myself. Um, that my personal crisis and the crisis, the transitional situation the team was in, sort of, uh, yeah, well gelled quite well for in this instance. And it brought me out of comfort zone, see things in a very different perspective uh, in myself and in others, uh, be more empathetic about uh, people. And perhaps that brought out the, yeah, best in me.
0: Mm, so kind of both spirals, went down, created a more upward motion. If I can use the metaphor of sure. of movement,
1: sure, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, it. I think they needed me as much as I needed the team. Right. Mm,
0: so beautiful. Yeah.
1: The team. When I came here, I came with a very transactional. Uh, set of mind saying, you know, I'm going to be here for some time, help with the transition and go. Yeah. And when my father passed away, I think the entire equation changed. I was going through a void, the family and I were consider- reconsidering our stay in India, I was already here. Um, the only people I could talk to was my team members and seek solace in them, Right. At the same time, they would also get see this as an opportunity to talk to me about their problems, their personal problems, their official issues. So, yeah, we sort of found peace in each other.
0: Yeah, but it sounds also you went straight to um, a layer of connection that is way deeper than just a former hello, I'm your manager.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't start out like that. I no. Actually, I didn't. It didn't start out like that. I did not intend it to be like that. (laughs) Nobody intends it to be like that. Um, Pure serendipity, Micah, happenstance, uh, accident. Um, I think accidents have played a major role in my life's journey and this was no exception. Sometimes happy ones, sometimes not so happy ones. Uh, But in this case, Me being in East Africa, helping a team through transition, my father's passing away, Um, I trying to seek solace in others, the team trying to find a mentor, a father figure. Yeah, it sort of all came together at the same time. Um, The timing was just right. I mean, (laughs) in retrospect, everything seems to follow a plan, but uh, it did not seem or rather, it was not planned at all.
0: Hmm. And you mentioned that at the moment, you are um, booking successes with a team. The team is doing well. You mentioned right. a happy team. Can you explain what that means for you? What is a happy
1: team? Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to sort of unpack happiness. But uh, yeah, if I were to hazard a guess, I would say... When I see the faces, when I see how people interact with each other, when I see the level of energies and uh, how they carry themselves in office, in calls, uh, in virtual calls, I mean, I see a lot of positivity. Mm. Um, the body language is positive, how they carry themselves to office is positive, the jokes, the, the small talks, the laughters, yeah, it, you can, it's almost like um, yeah, you can feel it. It, it. You have to be there in that space to feel that the people around you are happy. Um, there's hardly any negative. Of course, there will be difficult times. There would be complaints and cribs. That's part and parcel of our lives. And office is not an exception. But in general, the, the mood, the vibes are extremely positive. Mm. Um, And my way of translating that vibe is how I would call it, a happy team.
0: What really is interesting that the team in time, over time, really developed from point A to point B, where there is more happiness, more successes. And I asked Ayan, what kind of interventions, maybe unconscious, maybe conscious, did he did? Did he uh, implement it uh, in the team together? Um, uh, to drive the change and the success?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question. I think, um, so I have uh, two personas, Micah. and we've discussed this in the past. Um, there's an analytical side of me, which is very well-reasoned, well-thought-out, uses it, his uh, left brain as much as possible. And the other side of me is very right-brained, uh, emotional empathetic and, and yeah uh, looks out for people i started out by trying to streamline communication creating clarity with on the instructions and what projects to do and how to manage projects what are the expected deliverables what are your what is your role how can i help that sort of the left brain sort of took over when i came here um the incidents that I mentioned about my father, uh, yeah, it it left me with some kind of a trauma and perhaps that's the time when my right brain was going on an overdrive. And from trying to be very uh, specific with instructions and trying to create clarity and streamlining communication and move towards empathizing with people, mm. with their situations, where they're coming from, if there was an altercation, was it, uh, because they had a malice or was it they had a tough time in the morning they were going through a tough situation at home i mean yeah who knows so yeah also one of the things that i tried doing once that that move from left to right happened sort of sort of left sort of caught up the left brain caught up in at some point the balance i struck was perhaps end of 2019 early 2020 when I was thinking more clearly. Um, Yeah, I think what what I tried doing is I maintained the idea of creating clarity and uh, streamlining communication, because those are anyway helpful. Uh, The empathy remained the common driver of any conversations. And um, what added to the balance is the inspiration bit. So I tried to inspire my younger colleagues, actually, most of my colleagues are younger than me. So, and I think uh, acting like a father comes naturally to me. So I was acting like a father, trying to inspire my children to action. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and unconstraining them to make bold calls. Mm. Uh, how, situ- how do you
0: do that? How do you unconstrain them?
1: It's so when you... When you are young and you are, you are, you're, you're dealing with a difficult project, uh, you are dealing with a high stake project, right? Where you, are, you can't afford to make a mistake. Um, you are constantly feeling insecure. You're feeling, uh, what if I made a mistake? The overwhelming emotion is, I can't afford to make a mistake. Rather than thinking, I will do a great job. Mistakes are parts and parcel of Anything that one does, projects are no exception. Um, so I would take the leap of faith and do this, but it does not happen. And I was dealing with a bunch of people, well, relatively young, and, and uh, yeah, and, 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 and they're dealing with high stakes partnerships, difficult projects. Um, so unconstraining them meant that I told them that I would be the fall guy for all the wrong choices they make. Uh, I will put myself on the line and protect it for all the any implications, any negative implications arising out, out of those decisions they make in the project or doing or while managing the partnership. But uh, yeah, they should be they should feel free to make bold calls. Mm. Uh, so that was one. The other thing is more than what you say is how you practice this. So I sort of took myself out of most. Of these conversations with partners and projects um threw them to the deep end as much as possible sometimes i I saw from a distance that they were really struggling to swim Um, but i did not approach and extend my hand to help them out of that i let them find their own ways of struggling and getting out of trouble um my instruction was, if you really think you're sinking, uh, never hesitate to shout. Mm. I'll be there for you. But I won't watch over your shoulders.
0: No. No, and hold the line constantly.
1: Yes. Yes. indeed.
0: Nice. That's a nice example where you really give autonomy to the people. Yeah? They really own the things, um, but in, a, in relation, always in connection. So they can always rely on you or each other yeah. or create that atmosphere that you are related as a team to make it happen. yeah
1: yeah uh, in fact, one of the things that that I perhaps of interest um, there have been projects where my younger colleagues were managing difficult project projects as I said. Uh, there have been projects where uh, one of them must have had a really tough conversation, and late into the evening they would call me saying this is not done and this would have been better and you threw me to the deep end and da-da-da. And I would just listen. I would not say a word. Uh, Half an hour later, all the problems, one, the the venting and the ranting was done. uh, They would have found a solution to the problems that they were highlighting right at the beginning of the call. And they would thank me for just patiently listening to them.
0: It's great to see that Ayan created uh, an environment of trust. Um, basically, people can try things out, as he explained, he will back them up. But it also tells something about Ayan that he took full responsibility uh, on his shoulders, basically. Um, and I asked him if he always felt comfortable doing so.
1: So as I said, in, there was a transition from South. how I performed as a leader in South Asia, as opposed to how I did in East Africa. I also went through a period of evolution. Of course, circumstances, experiences catalyzed that evolution. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, and by evolution, I mean, I was more a hands-on manager. Uh, let's say... I come from a very strong programs background, ability to do things, to design programs, to manage difficult conversations, to writing reports, reviewing things. Yeah, I was more a program content person who was asked to become a leader. And when you get to leadership, you realize it's not about you, it's about others. And uh, how do you help others navigate the turbulent waters of you know, organizations, programs, partners. Um, it took me time to realize it did not came naturally to me. I, I was somebody who sort of trained myself. So what I did is I had, often I would have conversations with friends, peers, colleagues, um, and ask them to give me feedback about how I was doing. Uh, that included people, who were reporting to me. And I've maintained that habit until today. Um, so I realized that I was a far more hands-on than I should have been. Um, yeah, and, and when I moved to East Africa, and I think, as I said, there are life situations that that became different. Uh, experiences were very different. It was a unknown country, new set of people. Yeah, I think a lot of things changed by the time I'd moved. I had- also grown as an individual, as a professional. So I and and yeah, I think the, the, the idea of constant feedback and learning sort of remained with me. And over time, I think I think I got better with mm. letting things go. Um yeah, it's almost like a father who sees a five-year-old walk and almost stumble. Um, the tendency is to hold his or her hand and say, uh, yeah, I'm there for you. But rather than holding the hand to give the toddler the confidence to walk on his or her own, and then, yeah, celebrate that and knowing fully well it, it, at the back of your mind that he or she will tumble over, will uh, break a bone or two. You have to be prepared. But I think in the long run, it will serve him or her well in the future. Mm. So that's the analogy that I use to. Sort of improve uh, as a leader, train myself as a leader.
0: Yes, and it's not always easy as a parent to let children go.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> 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 you have to let them go? Beautiful. In this whole journey, can you? Um, um I I I like this question always to ask to people. Um, uh, is there also a beautiful failure? that you have faced where you learn a lot from, where you thought, oh, this was actually something that I would have done differently, but I learned so much. Yeah, I'm actually happy that it ha- that it has happened because it brought me something which is yeah. valuable.
1: Absolutely, lots of failures, I can pick one. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I like reading um, and I can't understand why others don't read. So you understand how... <laughs> I have, must have been in my childhood. So as I grew up, I think part of my persona also rubbed off onto the leadership tricks. So I was pretty much obsessed with learning. Um, there were times when I would send reading materials to my colleagues, this is before ACFO, during ACFO, ask them to read up and when they would read, I would become frustrated and, and say that, why don't you read? and This is the only way you get better. I think, um, yeah, I I, I equated learning with reading. Um, I'm not saying I have gotten over it. I still do that a lot. But uh, what I've learned is we are all very different people, right? We we all come from very different set of experiences. Our conditioning, upbringing, the situations at home are very different. Um, Yeah, we're talking about. Homemakers, so we're talking about, uh, and yeah, some of my female colleagues were also homemakers who go back to their homes, uh, feed the children, tend have have smaller children, tend to them, tend to their ailing um, in-laws, spend time with their husbands. Um, There are men in my office who have... uh, yeah, who go to their families, help them with farming. People have lots of different uh, things to do beyond the job and trying to learn on the job uh, or outside of it. The difficulty they find is, is I think um, one time uh, because it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's at a premium when you're doing too many things and, and you're sort of constantly pulled in different directions. The other dis- difficulty that comes with these pools is uh, distractions. Mm-hmm. Let's say reading requires focused attention. And if you're constantly called, somebody's calling you, mom, I want this, and dad, I need this, and whatsoever. Right? So it's hard. It's hard to give focused attention when you're a certain age, I think. Um, some people can do it better than others, but in general, it's hard. Yeah, I think the busyness and distraction sort of makes it difficult for people. Um, over time I realized people also learn, that's also my own learning journey, Pe- different people learn differently. Um, experience is a great teacher. Um, intelligence, intellectualism is, is yeah, I, I think there are many different measures of intelligence right, or intellectualism, right? So. Some people are just innately intelligent. They are street smart. They know how to find their way. Uh, some people my a, a colleague of mine recently called someone a farm smart. You are in a farmer's field. You know how to, how to uh, design a survey, um, improvise your way if he or she is not answering. So all kinds of smarts exist, right? And mm-hmm. that learning is also super important beyond learning from books.
0: So it are not only books anymore for Ayan to create a learning environment. He knows that it's a mixture of different ways. And from this learning environment, we dive into the more complexity of change. And I asked Ayan if he could reflect on supporting mechanisms that actually help or guide change processes. For him as a manager, for the team, And he summarizes in a way three main topics, which are training, mindset, but also freedom. Can you um, point out a couple of mechanisms or supporting mechanisms that are crucial for you to have, um, um, to guide change for a team or an organization? What things pop in your mind?
1: Yeah. I think... uh... In most cases, we deal with complex adaptive systems, right? So Mm -hmm. the change process itself is extremely complex. Um, One of these, I mean, one of the things that one needs to appreciate is the the idea of how do you define outcomes in a change process, uh, especially in a complex process. And if you can define the outcomes, what is the boundary of your, your intervention and the classic systems approach, right? Uh, how do you help get help people through those difficult situation and gain personal mastery, for instance. Um, personal mastery brings me to a point of uh, training. I think one of the mechanisms I feel and the tech training could be more multiple things. I think You need a certain kind of mindset to navigate complex systems and bring about change. So find ways of training people to appreciate complexity, define problems, define the outcomes they want to get to, uh, go through an iterative process, um, make adjustments if necessary, um, have the patience to go through the process, right? outcomes are not visible in a, in a day, two, or two, or in months, right? talking about years, decades. Um, yeah, so how do, how do you train people uh, to gain skills, hard and soft skills to facilitate uh, others through the journey? and uh, yeah, help help a whole team go through it, and, or, or and that, that team could be a design team. That team could be a project execution team. Uh, it could be a network of sorts, a consortium. But how do you do that? That that training of skills is very uh, important. Um, yeah, and also the mindset, as I said, the idea of developing a mindset of dealing with complex wicked problems. Mm. Uh, so those training is one mechanism. The other I can think of is uh, is the freedom um, from top leadership. I think I got a lot of that, um, a long rope, so to speak. Uh, when I was experimenting uh, with the team, when I was dealing with partners, uh, there were I mean, the top leadership would have asked me difficult questions. They did, but uh, they also gave me a long rope to experiment with yes so i saw that it's a great supporting mechanism for me to experiment grow as a leader and help uh, my colleagues to deal with complex adaptive systems uh, difficult projects difficult conversations uh, the change outcomes that they desire
0: yeah so in a, in a process of change you need freedom
1: yes yes how do you free people so that they can they can free others, right? It's yes. almost like a chain effect.
0: So Ayan used the metaphor as a rope. Have a long rope, give people freedom to drive the chains themselves, but never cut the rope. I think it's a beautiful
1: metaphor. Yeah, have a rope, have a long rope, but uh, give, I mean, as a leader, because I was part of the middle management uh, role, uh, you need a long rope because you are the yeah. one who answerable to the top leadership. Yeah. As a leader, also, you need, a, you need to give your colleagues a long rope because uh, yeah, they expect nothing less. They want their leeway to try out things, go through these iterations, uh, mistakes, follies, foibles that you went through and then learn from those. Mm. Perhaps create a, a much more beautiful and better uh, change outcome that you could
0: ever imagine. Yeah. My final question is about a dream. A dream I have that I envision if more people working on sustainable development in the world will invest more in their inner development, their personal development, their leadership, their happiness at work, that they will actually become more effective and they can create more impact. So my question to Ayan is, what would be the effect or the impact if more people working in the field of sustainable development would actually, yeah, invest in that?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, Michael. Um, I think it means a change of culture, how you live your life. Uh, it's much more than a pro- It's actually a project in the, in the truest sense, um, not a three-year project with um, X amount of euros. Um, It's a change of culture, it's the change of how we live our lives. Um, Yeah, and and how can we do that? We educate, empower individuals, families, societies and states uh, to go on to that journey, become less mechanistic and transactional in the ways they approach development. and yeah, stick to our core values uh, from a position of morality and, and value based thinking than uh, more transactional ways of thinking. Um, yeah, I feel happy people and spaces are dependent on co creation and cohabitation. I think if people are happy, the spaces are happy, their ecosystems feel that, that vibe. It's just, I think happy people don't rip out nature. For instance. Mm. Um, And by happy, I I don't mean complacent. By happy, I mean people who are striving to do better. By by happy, I mean people who are trying to help out others, uh, living a life dedicated to others. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's my idea of of how educating, empowering people with leadership trainings, growth mindset can help. because it's an abstract notion and how I put it perhaps becomes even more abstract, uh, it will be good to think of measurable goals, a clear measurable milestones in between, right from the point where you start training individuals and their family, so their, the households, to how it translates changes in public policy and practice. Mm-hmm. So so that you are able to see how the ripple effects are felt from the individual level to a global level. Uh, how can we measure this change? Yeah. And want to see the change being measured. Um, how do we report back successes? Celebrate those successes. Um, celebrate small successes, and of course, we should be self-critical. We should should um, critically look at the failures, but I think it's important to celebrate small successes because it's a marathon, not a sprint, sustainable development. Um, And yeah, I think if we're able to celebrate those small successes leading up to the big change, that would be great. Uh, Measure them well, um, articulate that with everyone who's concerned about this. Uh, So for me,
0: the question is then, how to make it small and tangible so people really feel they can make a change, they can drive the change for sustainable development, and they can develop themselves.
1: And if you allow me, I'm going to shamelessly make an actual plug here.
0: Um, (laughs) Go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think uh, one of the things that we say that we are good at, follow an agile approach to building technology solutions. Uh, what does an agile approach mean? And that's, why, that's where it sort of, um, it attaches itself to what you're saying. Um, agile approach is breaking down complex problem into simple digestible modular parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also follows a very iterative process. An agile approach allows you to create simple steps go trace those steps, go through those steps. And when you realize you've made a mistake, that allows you to go back so that you're not too far ahead in the journey and you can't come back uh, and sort of rectify those errors that you made on the way. Um, So I think this whole idea of of designing this process, the idea of um, how do you help people measure their successes, uh, report back uh, both successes and failures and learn from these failures and uh, follow an, an, and help them follow an agile approach, whether it's a technology angle to development, whether it's a very program-focused angle to development. I think there is resonance in how uh, we do things as ACFO, and I'm pretty certain a lot of other organizations, very progressive organizations are sort of are onto that journey Um, some of us are slightly ahead of others but I think we can hold our hands and co-create something beautiful together Mm.
0: Wrapping up the interview we reflect on our conversation and also on the definition of leadership and Ayan shares one final beautiful anecdote to us an anecdote about leadership where it's about clarity inspiring others and unconstraining others
1: Let's say when I was about 26, 27, I applied for a fellowship, which was about uh, leadership. And I still remember one of the questions that I sort of grappled with then was, define leadership for me. One of the interviews asked me that question. And I pretty much went all over the place without giving a straight answer. Um, After all these years, what I feel is leadership is, I'll go back to where I started, is about creating clarity, inspiring others and uh, unconstraining others to real, help them realize their full potential. Um, it's almost in my head, I have always always looked for that answer and, and in all these years and of, of practicing leadership, what I've realized is these three key elements are the key to everything else that we do as a leader. Um, empathy for me is of course a true trait, but externally, what is it that you want to do? How do you, what is, what is it that you want to do with others as a leader? Um, yeah, I think if, and as my career progresses and hopefully at some point ends on a high, <laughs> um, I want people to remember as somebody who was, uh, yeah, somebody who lived, a life which was dedicated to the others. Uh, my measure of success, my measure of leadership has changed to break barriers for others, unconstraining them, inspiring them, creating clarity for them, even though the world remains complex, ambiguous, uncertain. Uh, for the next, whatever, 15, 16 or 20 odd years, I have perhaps left as a working professional I would like to sort of go on that journey, and hopefully someday, um, yeah, inspire others to more younger uh, people around me to sort of pick up the baton and and yeah, become these become a leaders in their own right and help me improve my definitions of leadership. Hopefully, in ten years from now.
0: Yeah, because it constantly will develop. I'm sure of that. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks, Ayan. And I think with this interview, you already inspired many people. Um, at least you inspired me. It's, it's uh, great to listen and how you also beautifully use and search for the words to explain what you actually mean. It's, it's fantastic. And I think that helps actually words, language helps so much with clarity, for example, is one of your right. key points of leadership. Uh, but also connecting with people, and um, so I, I only can say thanks, thanks, thanks so much for your time and your willingness to share your story so openly uh, with us. And and um, as I said, I'm sure many people
1: will be inspired by this. I'm really glad to be here, Mark, and I loved every bit of this conversation. And not often on a Friday <laughs> afternoon <laughs> we discuss these things, beginning no. with the abstraction of tangent of leadership, but. Uh, Thank you for inviting me and letting me have this conversation with you.
0: Great. Thank you, Ayan. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, This is the fourth episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll come back soon. Thank you.